My name is Erin Bross, and this is The Dirt, Confessions of a Tree Planter. Art for this podcast comes from another tree planter, Bethany Davis, as part of her illustration series, Follow the Trees. This is a podcast about tree planting as a reforestation practice in the silviculture industry. Tree planters are a collective of people who spend much of their lives replenishing a logged area with new forest. However, tree planting is so much more than the physical act of planting thousands of seedlings in the ground day after day as a job. It is about the connections, experiences, bonds, and memories that last a lifetime. The dirt is a place to shed light on the culture that is mostly contained within those who have stuck a shovel in the ground. It is meant to dive deep into all things tree planting as a place for those to reminisce, relate, or to learn. So wherever you're coming from, as any tree planter would say, may the planting gods be with you. Hey folks, uh, got another great interview coming at you guys today. Um, I'm sure many of you know of the book Eating Dirt. Um, you know, there's been some more books written now on planting, but this was really like the first quintessential tree planting book that came out, I think about 10 years ago. Um, yeah, so I've been trying to get a hold of Charlotte for, yeah, pretty much like the last year. Um, well, I sort of tried to get a hold of her and then quickly gave up last year and, uh, reached out to her again this winter. Um, I know that she had written a lot of this book, um, and a lot of it was about, um, a company I also work for. And so, yeah, we have some sort of like mutual connections, um, which is, as we all know, very common in this industry. But um, yeah, just having worked with a lot of the people that she worked with, and especially like while she was writing this book, um, is kind of a, a cool connection. So I was really stoked to sit down and chat with her. And yeah, it was just really cool to hear more about her story. Um, there was a lot in there that I didn't know that I don't want to give away. So you'll find out when you listen to it. But um, yeah, we basically cover her planting career, which was 17 years long and uh yeah just you know why she decided to write the book how it kind of came about and and um yeah just everything about eating dirt and you know even touching on her early years um and where she started planting um because it was it was definitely not uh on the coast of bc where most of the book is sort of written about so yeah i hope you guys enjoy this interview um and uh you know, if you ever have any questions, concerns, comments, whatever, just shoot me an email. And I've got a bunch of other really awesome episodes lined up for you guys before the season starts. And then, yeah, I'm going to keep pumping them out um, during the season. So, yeah, hopefully everybody has good Wi-Fi and um, can keep listening. So thank you once again um, for all your support. Keep sharing the episodes and uh yeah i super appreciate it um enjoy this one okay so we're live um charlotte thank you so much for uh yeah answering me and um coming on the podcast here welcome thanks for having me i know it's been quite a while of trying to negotiate a time to do it and it just worked out perfectly Needed a pandemic for it, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I got, uh, I yeah, I remember trying to reach out to you last year, but then I I got stuck down the vortex of a really long season, so it just like 
gave up altogether. Um, okay, so a lot of people probably recognize your name, um, but you know, maybe for those who don't, uh, why don't you tell the listeners just a little bit about yourself? Okay, so um, I'm gonna go backwards in time, I guess. I wrote a book about tree planting called Eating Dirt. It came out nine years ago, I think roughly. And um, before then I sort of based it on my experiences as a tree planter for, I planted trees for 17 years. And um, yeah, so, I mean, obviously it's really hard to write a book about a whole 17 year career. So I just kind of based it on one of my later years on the job. And that was 2006, I retired in 2008. Okay, and so, I love asking this question um, and this is like, yeah, going a little bit back. And I love asking the question to people who got into planting earlier as well when it wasn't just like, it's so easy now with social media, but how did you get into tree planting? Oh, uh, actually that's a pretty easy question because I think it was the way most of us got into planting in the eighties and nineties and probably earlier because, you know, it was just word of mouth. I had a friend who was a tree planter and she'd spent six months telling me these crazy stories about these weird gypsy people who lived in these deranged woodland outposts. And I thought, oh yeah, I could try that. You know, not having any idea really what the job was about. And um, yeah, so I started, I did my first season in Northern Ontario and really never looked back. Nice. Um, yeah. How was your, uh, I always love asking people too about their first season. Like, I don't know if you're from out East originally, but how did you take to all of it in terms of, and, you know, back then too, it would have been even, you know, the standards back then and just the camp steps and stuff. Like I remember when I was younger too, you know, it's quite different from now. So how did like, what was the initial shock? Like, obviously you were hooked, but um, like, how, how was all of that for you when you first started? Okay, so it might help to know that I am not, uh, I didn't grow up in Canada. I'm from New York State. And so um, not only was I new to the experience of being out in the bush for the first time, but I was also kind of new to the idea of what Canada was geographically. So I, I am from rural New York State and there, you know, you can drive like 50 miles and run into a town pretty regularly. Like there's not a lot of sort of open wilderness and so the idea of driving 20 hours from Toronto to get to my first bush camp seemed kind of like oh my god where am I I'm really at the end of civilization here which is of course not true there's another couple thousand kilometers of land above that even um, and you know bush camps back then it wasn't as if they were as shall I say hygienic as they are now there were far fewer safety and occupational regulations involved. You know, I remember we had showers that were just kind of in the mud. You know, there might be a, a wood pallet under your feet when you were showering, but, you know, sometimes you had tarps for walls and some, sometimes you didn't. It was kind of, you know, a little bit feral, but I don't know, maybe it's, Maybe it's somewhat similar now. Maybe it's somewhat different in some ways. I really don't think you can escape the physical discomfort of planting trees anyway. So, um, you know, I know that sounds sort of almost repulsive in a way that it was so kind of 
rough and dirty, but I think that was probably part of the appeal. It's probably part of the appeal for lots of tree collectors. One of the reasons why they keep going back, even though it's totally counterintuitive. Mm -hmm. I'm curious too, you know, cause I've talked uh, and actually the interview I did with Dirk, you know, we got into this a little bit. I've always been curious about it too, just like tree planting in the US and how, you know, back in the seventies and even kind of early eighties, it was fairly similar to Canada. And then it like really changed. So you know, being American and being in New York, like, had you ever considered um, that option? Because there might have still been some companies at that point, like in the Western, sort of like that area of the US, like Oregon, Washington, um, upper left, uh, or was the only option for you like to go to Canada? Um, well, I was, I was going to university in Toronto. So that's just kind of oh. where I was before then it wasn't even really on my radar. And I really started exploring this world of American tree planters once I started doing research for the book. And I met, I have met tons of them and they've written me loads of letters and it looks very similar tree planting either side of the border in Washington state and say British Columbia back in the seventies when really tree planting started as a thing, as an industry. Um, and this slowly changed over time. And then with the advent of these H2B visas all of a sudden um, migrant workers started doing it because it was a much cheaper labor force to employ. And so now it's largely done by um, Mexican um, work, migrant workers from Mexico who come and do it on um, sort of a temporary basis. And then they may go back to Mexico. They may go off to other parts of the US, say California to pick fruit. Um, yeah, it's just a completely different industry now. And I think um, in many ways, the workers there face different problems than the ones we face in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I guess, yeah, you kind of went into the, it makes sense. You're already sort of in that realm, um, here in Canada. And then you just kind of, I mean, as you got into the industry more too, it would have changed more that way in the U S. So, um, yeah, so it's just an interesting interesting discussion I always have with people just that conversation around American planting and that because I've even got been asked about it as well and um yeah it's like this weird you know how it just went down that path and Canada went in such a different way um but uh yeah so you know I'm curious as well like I don't know what you were studying and stuff in school and obviously you fell down the planting wormhole like many of us do um and yeah you said you were in it for you know 17 years um, so how has tree planting changed or impacted your life? Oh my God, that's such a hard question. <laughs> Probably because, you know, there's like, it's a, it's a 5,000 word answer. Um, you know, I, I don't know if there's a way that I can kind of answer this generally, but I feel like, um, personally anyway, I feel like I... I wasn't really aware of just how physically challenged I could be in this world and really think of it as no big deal after a time. So I feel like human beings are really good at dealing with adversity. Just sometimes we need a bit of a reminder and tree planting was like training for that because of course there's just no escaping the physical pain of it. Sometimes, you know, it starts before you've even <laughs> bagged up. So yeah, I think I had never had that experience of just having to live through physical toughness, just kind of day after day. 
And I think it's a kind of training that just stays with you for a long time afterwards. And so uh, how many seasons did you spend in Ontario before you migrated? Um, you know, tell us a little bit about, about that transition and timeline and uh, yeah, just that experience for you. I spent just a you. couple of years, just a couple of years in Northern Ontario. And anyone who has worked in, I don't know if you've worked in Northern Ontario, but there is a, an insect for every hour of the day. And I had heard there was this magical place out West, like mm. Valhalla, you know, that had no <laughs> bugs. So I made my way out to BC. And not only did I make my way out to BC to plant trees, but I also ended up staying forever. So there must've been something about the landscape that was appealing. Yeah, I was actually going to ask, I was curious where in Northern Ontario you planted, if you recall oh my gosh. some of the towns, or oh, yeah. you know, maybe you covered Every the spectrum, but. Capus Casing, Timmins, Manitowoc, I did a lot of work around Thunder Bay. Yeah, that's why I was, I was curious because I, I grew up in Manitowoc, actually, that's where I spent my like first nine-ish years of my life. Um, yeah, so when you, I know Northern Ontario very well. <laughs> I'll bet you um, do. Yeah, yeah. I actually haven't done that much planting there. I did do my second season. Uh, and then I've done a bit of formatting in Manitowoc actually like in a, in a summer contract. But, um, but yes, yeah, so I know it, know it quite well. And um, yeah, so it's always interesting hearing people's perceptions, especially who are coming from the city, like coming from Toronto to come up and like, to deal with the black flies. So it's like a very, um, yeah, yeah. Um, well, don't okay. get me wrong, it's really beautiful. It's incredibly oh, it is. beautiful. It is. The yeah. forest there, the way that the forest is, well, it's muskeg, it's just completely wet. And so you have these really beautiful spruce bogs that are totally covered in sphagnum moss and kind of water underneath. and you know, you get these crazy flowers growing out of it and things like that, but it's maybe not so fun to, you know, go wading through that up to your armpits every day. <laughs> mm. It is really nice. Well, I mean, it depends, depends on if you're like having to jump from like little, you know, muskeg, like, like mound to muskeg mound, but it is very nice to plant also, uh, or like easy on the wrists and on the, on the body. So, um, Okay, well, I'm gonna ask these next set of questions. Um, they're also a bit of a, a big question to ask. I always encourage people to just kind of like first thing that comes to mind. Um, what is your favorite tree planting memory? Like if you, if you have one that's coming into your brain right now, uh, I, I feel like you could, you know, you can answer this differently like every time I ask it, but, um, but the first one that comes to mind. Oh, flying around in helicopters. Mm. That had to be my favorite thing about tree planting. And, um, you know, you know, as we all do, um, highs and lows of the job. So what was, uh, or what is your worst tree planting memory that you can, that you haven't blocked away in like the far reaches of your mind? <laughs> there are lots of those. There are tons <laughs> of those. I mean, you know, just like those days when you're, maybe you're by yourself, you've driven like to the end of some nasty, hideous cut block and you're replanting or something, or you're, 
in some kind of like terrible swag and it's just the weather's awful and nothing can go right and it's just so many tears so many days of crying that I went through anyway and you know people would say oh did you cry ever when you're planting and I'd say yeah I cried all the time it was like everybody cried all the time <laughs> it was just no big deal male or female it didn't really matter so many days like that just awful rotten days and then somehow you'd go home and take a shower and eat a huge meal and it would just be forgotten mm -hmm. yeah totally um and I'm yeah. curious as well you know um about your decision to you know because sometimes I ask people if they're still planting you know how long they potentially intend to do so so how did you go about you know retiring like after that many years um because you know there's a lot of people i know too at that point not always but you know will tend to kind of go more the lifer route at that point or kind of settle into it and so i'm curious about your process in deciding to like step away fully um because you've been out of it now for for a decent while too yeah um that's a really good question actually i feel as if um well, I've, I felt like a lifer for, you know, while I was in the thick of it. I knew everybody I worked with. I would show up on even the most strange remote contract and I would know people. And it just felt like this, this was a kind of family for me. But after a while, you know, you get into your late 30s and your body just starts breaking down. You know, it's not so easy anymore to recover when you have these, you know, um, stress-induced injuries and things like that. And I kind of could see the writing on the wall. I had the same niggling things painting me every year. And I just sort of knew that I was gonna have to migrate out of it. And also tree planting was always my day job. I was always a writer and a tree planter too. So after a while I felt like, okay, now I've got some momentum with this arts career. And that was always my intention to kind of move more fully into that. But, you know, I'm married to an ex tree planter and we talk about it almost every day. We talk about tree planting mm. and how life was, you know, in many ways it had stresses that are different than the ones we have now. Um, you know, we never went to bed stressed out about work, but by the same time we, were, we just didn't have a home, you know, for so many years, we just lived out of our cars. It was a different sort of instability. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think everyone has to retire if you're a tree planter eventually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious as well, you know, cause of course I, I know that you were well, and even reading your book really, but, um, but I know that you had been working on the coast for quite a while. And so, you know, in terms of how tree planting really kind of became a huge part of your lifestyle and, and your career and, you know, me just knowing that you're, you were on the coast, you know, working for the same company that like I still work for and, um, yeah, like when did you make that transition into the coast? And then was that, you know, in your later years, mostly where you were set up? Um, did you still like venture into the interior? Cause you know, generally speaking, the coast is kind of <laughs> those of us who are uh, yeah, in it for the longer game a lot of the time. And there's a lot of people there that really center it as like a lifelong career. It's just, it's yeah, you just find more, uh, 
older folks out here basically you know because I'm speaking to you from the island and uh and then yeah the interiors kind of follow the university students and and you know in other areas of Canada like generally speaking so I'm curious what that was looking like for you as you were like a decade plus into the game and um yeah you know kind of seeing yourself as doing it for a long time well I'm gonna guess that most of your listeners completely know tree planting already but for anyone who doesn't interior planting in the interior of British Columbia it's the trees are smaller the ground is often relatively flat compared to the coast where it's in the mountains and you know the trees are sometimes five or ten feet across and you have to sort of navigate all of the slash and the remnants of the logging process and it's you know it can be quite challenging to even learn how to do it so most people kind of work up to the experience of um being a planter on the coast and i feel like there's a greater proportion of professional tree planters who make some part of their living by working in the coast mountains of british columbia so um that's what i did too i just sort of followed in the footsteps of a lot of people who had managed to put together, you know, six or eight month tree planting seasons out of working both in the interior and on the coast. And I migrated there because I recognized that I could really extend my working year by starting in February and ending in September or October. And then this portion of the planting season that took place in the summer there's a lot of competition for it. Oftentimes the contracts are quite short because there's so many people bidding on that work. And it felt like there was just more stable, reliable income to be had on Vancouver Island, for example. But it was hard. I mean, learning how to, learning how to plant trees in that sort of a landscape that is like, everything is so much bigger. It was definitely a learning curve. I think it's a learning curve for most people. Yeah, like what was your favorite style of land as a planter too? I'm curious. Cream. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know. Let's see. Because um, I'm actually the places... opposite. I like the gnarly stuff. Like, so that's actually, that's why I'm more of a coastal. Yeah, I like the technical, but yeah. Yeah, I mean my husband really liked the sort of open flat rolling hills where you could just sort of you know plant like a sewing machine all day and I think I didn't mind weird little helicopter blocks and yeah the little special missions I didn't mind those either mm -hmm. okay so let's um yeah, I'm, you know, you, you'd already mentioned that you have always been a writer um, and that was something that you were building sort of alongside your tree planting career. So, yeah, what what gave you the call to write Eating Dirt? Um, like, where did that kind of start? Were there, were there times where you already sort of writing about planting? Because um, I don't know in terms of your writing, if it was, has it always been influenced by planting or were you kind of doing completely separate things as well alongside or like how did that how did that evolve yeah so eating dirt is my second book and um the first one is fiction so i now divide my time between fiction and nonfiction. but i started out as a fiction writer and um i had 
worked doing freelance work for magazines in the nonfiction form. So I, it wasn't like I had never written nonfiction before, but I had never written a nonfiction book. And I always had in the back of my mind that I thought writing about tree planting would be a really cool project because it was always on my mind. I was still working in tree planting at the time. Um, but I didn't know anybody who had written a book about tree planting. And when I sort of took it into the publishing business, I got so many responses that were like, Charlotte, no one wants to read a book about tree planting. This is, you know, who cares? <laughs> These weird, dirty, hippie people. And then um, I, I found a publisher in Vancouver, Greystone Books, who said, we know exactly the story that you want to tell and we want to buy your book. So um, I think it was just a question of finding the right people who kind of understood how many people in Canada plant trees, you know, well into the hundreds and thousands of people who have planted trees or are planting trees right now. So um, that's how that came to be. And of course, you wrote this while you were still planting, correct? In your later years, you'd mentioned. Uh, yeah, I did. I started taking notes for it probably in 2005 or 2006. Yeah. And how did it feel sort of writing? I, I'm curious too, like upon your like official retirement and then you were kind of writing the book mostly after that, like, was it a nice kind of conclusion for you? Um, like stepping away from the planting world and then kind of getting this book out into the world and just sort of like releasing that part of your life per se, in a sense? It was kind of sad actually, because I could have kept doing it for quite a while longer. I just felt like it was my sort of farewell to this thing I had done for so many years. Yeah, it's hard to say goodbye to it. I, I don't know if you've had that experience of thinking about what life will be like when it's all over. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've contemplated, well, I mean, I've kind of danced with planting a little bit um, with another career that I had, and I've actually now said goodbye to that career and come back a little bit more into planting. Um, so yeah, I don't know where that's, where that's going to be for me, but I know my own writing uh, is heavily influenced like by, by tree planting and just by the natural world. So it comes from planting, but it comes from my geology work, it comes from growing up outside like it, but it's, I mean, it's very intertwined for sure. Um, yeah, and I'm curious too now, like, I don't know, you know, how much attention you pay to it. I mean, it sounds like, yeah, it's like tree plants, tree planting is always a part of you. Um, but you know, there are more books out now, like that people have written on planting and there's like more documentaries. Of course, the recent, uh, CBC one, 1 million trees that just came out like this fall. And so, you know, there's kind of this with the social media and all these movements. And obviously I started this podcast and uh, there's just like more mediums now where it's like tree plant is tree planting is being exposed and expressed. So like, how does that feel to you too? Kind of being the first person to sort of, you know get a book out about it really. And now seeing other people coming out with books and it, it being more like in the mainstream now cause it really was for a long time this thing that was kind of tucked away that like have this like mystique about it like ooh, like this is this is what tree planting is but um but yeah now it's a bit maybe more well known how do you feel about that i think it's fantastic i think it's fantastic and anytime 
somebody writes a book, I'll, although I do see quite a lot of them because oftentimes the publisher will ask me to write a blurb for them or whatever. Um, but anytime there's like a tree planting documentary or an article on tree planting, I get 50 emails from people <laughs> saying, have you seen this? So almost nothing goes by without it blipping on my radar, at least a little bit. And I think it's, uh, I think it's amazing. I think the, just the sort of production values that people can have now, even with just their iPhone out on the field, it's amazing. And I also feel like there's a ton of interest from people all over the country and even in the US who you know, have a completely separate industry. There's all kinds of public interest in planting trees that I didn't really know existed. I mean, I sensed that people were interested in it, but I didn't know how until that book went out into the world and people started finding me in various capacities. Um, but I think this idea that storytelling has to be just set in cities or just about people who live urban lives is sort of not entirely accurate. I feel like there's a huge appetite for stories about remote and wild Canada, um, as wild as the tree planting landscape can be. Yeah, yeah, no, there's so much to be told. I'm curious too, like for you, you know, writing this, uh, you know, I don't know if it's ever entered your realm um, that there's more that you would want to write uh, about planting or now you've kind of like shifted gears into other endeavors that you're doing, um, like that you kind of feel like, okay, this eating dirt, this is like what I wanted to encompass and I've written it and put it out, you know, like, do you still are, you know, in terms of other books that you've maybe uh, written now, like, have you stuck with the nonfiction? Um, yeah, like I'm curious too where you're at now, um, you know, so many years after all of this and really like almost a decade after this book's come out too. Yeah, I think about tree planting a lot and it's certainly part of my life. I know so many people who, I mean, most of the people that I have worked with as planters, they're now retired as well. Mm -hmm. But it, I think it'll always be part of my life. I don't know that I would necessarily write another book about it just because I feel like now, um, that world has moved on. And there are other people who are much more well qualified to write about how it is to have that lived experience today. And I feel like they should tell those stories. Yeah, I'm, you know, on that note, too, I'm curious, just like observing from the outside, this has been a big discussion um, that I've kind of talked about with people has been getting talked about. Uh, there's even been a big shift with all of the COVID um, that's gone on in the last year that really shifted like camp dynamics in a big way, like bringing Wi-Fi in and a lot, you know, this technology and this like connection now to the outside world that was really part of, you know, one of the special things about planting for so many years. Um, and so, you know, you kind of coming more from that world and seeing all the shifts that are going on and in so many other ways that are really positive, you know, like we have, yeah, all these health and safety standards and, um, you know, even the stuff around um, sexual harassment and all these issues, like there's been so much change, even the tree prices, like everything's been changing so much in really like the last five years. So even just maybe the rumblings or things that you've, you've heard of it, like, um, yeah, how do you feel about all the changes in planting and the sort of modernization 
Um, and, you know, seeing kind of the planting that you had maybe, you know, disappearing at some point or going by the wayside. How does that, how does that make you feel? I'm just curious. Um, well, I mean, being in bush camp back in the day was, you know, maybe the boss had a sap bone in his truck that you could borrow if he liked you, but that was pretty much it. I don't want to glamorize that either because that makes it completely impossible for some people to really have a normal life. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's a job. It makes it totally impossible for some people to live like that. And, you know, one person's sense of romance is, could be danger for somebody else. There's, there have been lots of stories about what it's like for women to live in these isolated camps, you know, as maybe one, 50 guys and two women. And, you know, there's, um, I think there's some reporting to be done there for sure. So I have mixed feelings about it, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say the same thing also. Um, okay. So I always like to wrap up with this question. Um, what is one piece of advice you would give anyone who is considering going tree planting or will be going tree planting for the first time this season? Don't do it, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was also gonna ask what advice would you have for people who wanna be a lifer too, but like tack that on. <laughs> okay, so I don't, I don't have any sort of life advice for people because I feel like everyone's experience planting trees is going to be different. Mm. Um, I think it's, it, I think it's amazing. Like it teaches young people. It taught me as a young person. I started when I was 19, you know, I had never done manual labor in my life. It taught me how to do that and how to just accept hard work without complaint, without any complaint, because you know what complaining is like in camp. <laughs> Um, so I would say, you know, have really good socks, you know, I have, a, I, I'm wearing this pair of socks right now that I bought for $25, I think 15 years ago. And I wow. bought five pairs, one for every day of the week and four pairs are still going and they were just a small thing, but it made life bearable. <laughs> No, I can attest to the good socks. I basically only wear like wool socks, merino wool, alpaca wool, whatever wool. That's that's all I function in on and off the block. So yeah, I, I feel you on that. Um, don't get the cheap cotton socks, everyone. <laughs> don't get the cheap cotton socks. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, um, if there's anything else that you'd like to sort of maybe add to this, um, otherwise, I think. Uh, yeah, we're pretty much like wrapped up here and it was a real pleasure to to have you on here and to to meet you and to know a bit of your story i actually didn't know that you were american shockingly enough maybe it's because i've been so long since i've read the book but i'm canadian now oh right yes of course yes uh long time bc resident now but um but yeah i didn't know you'd originally come from new york um so that yeah that's interesting because i was like how did she start in ontario and you know, I'm always curious when people start over there or just their decisions to go there, so. Well, it's been great talking to you about tree planting. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, thanks so much, Charlotte. And um, uh, yeah, I don't really have anything else to add, but um, yeah, we'll, um, of course, uh, I'll get some links from you that we'll put in the show notes for everybody on just um, where to find your work, 
where to find eating dirt, but even to find other work that you're up to nowadays, um, you know, maybe inspiration for any fellow like writer slash tree planters as well. Um, yeah, it's really cool to see that you've kind of moved away from planting and are doing full-time writing because there's a lot of us that are artists that sort of use planting, of course, to fund everything. Um, so it's, it's awesome that you're, yeah, fully, fully in the writing career and thriving, so. Yeah, well, it was all because of tree planting. Yes, isn't it always? <laughs> yeah.